Everybody who watches that show has told me to watch that show at least 60 times. Welcome back to Royals Weekly. I'm your host, Marcus Mead, and joining me as always, two-time champion of the Daytona Beach Dad Bot of the Year Award by Brother Mike. Hey, it takes work and dedication to look like this. <laughs> I'm like Val Venus. All right. Sh- strong McDonald's regiment. That's right. Really, really hit that hard. A, few, a, wh- uh, a whiskey or two of an evening. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A whiskey or two. This body brought to you by McDoubles and Evan Williams. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've all been there. Uh, Wendy saw me at least once today, so I'm, I'm on my way there, too. I'm challenging you for that title soon. Uh, we're back after a one-week hiatus here at Royals Weekly, ready to talk about all things Royals. As the team is playing pretty good baseball on the back of some young starting pitching, Mike, how are you feeling about where the Royals are right now? I'm, I'm optimistic, which is the the – foolhardy move we all all royals fans uh go to but sustained winning takes sustained pitching and so if we can sustain the pitching that we've seen out of our the young starting pitching uh over the rest of this year and into next year we got a shot at this thing all right yeah we're gonna talk a little bit more about the pitching in the spotlight segment this week uh, it'll be an interesting to see sort of how that rotation plays out in September as, as the Royals give looks to guys, continue to give looks to Daniel Lynch, Carlos Hernandez, maybe give a look to Jackson Kowar. Uh, we'll see what Bubich does over the course of that last month. Dylan uh, Coleman, I would like if he Dylan comes Coleman, up. Another guy, yeah. Not a rotation guy, but a, but a good uh, relief prospect mm-hmm. down in AAA right now. So it'll be interesting to see uh, over the course of the last month how the rotation sets up for 2022. Uh, when hopefully Bobby Baseball, Nick Prado, and maybe MJ Melendez are ready to come contribute offensively. But uh, let's get into some baseball from last week. In roster news last week, we said goodbye to a one of my favorite Royals of all time, Gerard Dyson. He was claimed off waivers by the Blue Jays last week. I thought he, was pl- he played fairly well for a fourth outfielder this year, does everything you expect Gerard Dyson to do. Another team, is going to try and use him to, you know, actually do something uh, here in the next month. But it's great to see him again back in the Royals uniform for this so far this year. Sad to see him go always. He's probably not a Royals Hall of Famer, but he's one of those guys who's kind of going to live on as a fan favorite, I feel like, for a very long time. Yeah, the, the people who are, are really uh, into Royals baseball, I don't want to call them die, the diehard fans because some non-diehards will uh, – know about Gerard Dyson too, if they followed the 14 and 15 teams closely. But I think those of us who are kind of diehard fans will always uh, talk about Gerard Dyson uh, the way that, you know, some other players from the eighties get talked about that maybe aren't Royals Hall of Famers. They may not have been everyday kind of guys, but um, Gerard Dyson certainly, and and what a story, uh, you know, for his career, you know, like a 50th round draft pick who has now played over 10 years in major league baseball. that is that is the dream. That is that is uh, life changing, family changing, um, and so love Gerard Dyson. Hope we get to see. I want him to have one of those unlikely moments in the postseason where it's like, hey, Gerard Dyson hit the home run that wins the Blue Jays the you know ALCS or something like something crazy. You know, uh, that's what I hope for for Gerard Dyson because we love him so much. Yeah, just an amazing story there. Like the fact that he was able to make it ten years in the major leagues after having to like 
spend so much time in the minor leagues. He was down mm-hmm. there for like nine, 10 seasons, you know, a high school pick or maybe first year community college pick out of Mississippi. Macomb. To, M- Mocha, to, Macomb, Mississippi. Macomb. Yeah. yeah, I think it's Macomb. Um, to sort of set his family up with generational wealth. If you don't know, after you spend 10 years in the majors, you're like fully vested in their pension program or whatever. So he's uh, really made an amazing career for himself. And it's great to see him continue to um, do what he does and hopefully help a team make a playoff push. Uh, but also in roster news this week was just a ton of like pitching injuries and pitching reactivations. So you wonder if this isn't the time of year because pitchers didn't pitch full seasons last year, where you're going to see more 10 day IL stints. So we had a whole bunch of pitchers hit the 10 day injured list this week. Josh Stalmont, who he was on for day, one day, who was on for one day, one day and came back. <laughs> Kyle Zimmer, all 10 day, Jake Brents, 10 day, Brad Keller, 10 day, Richard Lovely just got put on the 10 day today. And then uh, Tyler Zuber was brought up as a result of that. So we have a lot of uh, relief pitching injuries, got Brad Keller hurt too. Um, it's been a, it's, it's a tough time for pitchers right now as they try and push through that. Um, they're sort of ceiling in terms of the inning limits on their arm. Yeah. And we saw Zuber, he just gave up the home run. In case you're wondering, we're recording during the game on Sunday against Seattle and Tyler Zuber just gave up a home run to uh, give up the lead, which is kind of the things we were worried about with Tyler Zuber when he got sent back down. So hopefully that doesn't uh, continue to rear its ugly head. Uh, Love Lady was having a very good season after finally giving getting an opportunity, which seemed like it was never going to come. Um, and it's, it's tough to see Zimmer back on there because of all the injury issues that he's had for so long now. Uh, it makes you wonder, is Zimmer ever going to be healthy for a full season? Well, and I wonder too, like if a lot of this isn't just maneuverings, right? Like they're not, maybe they're not seriously hurt. Maybe if, if they were in contention, these guys would pitch through these sorts of things, but they're, they're just maneuvering things around to try and uh, get more guys up to try and elongate the number of innings that they're getting from each person. I, I don't, they're not serious injuries in a lot of these cases. They're just like, well, you're thinking of the, the UCL uh, thing from lovely. Maybe it's maybe the UCL strain or, or sprain or whatever is uh is a little bit serious, but none of these guys are put, have been put on the 60 day IL. None of them. It's like, all right, we're shutting you down for the rest of the season kind of stuff. So we'll see if, uh, if any of this ends up uh, amounting to something worse, or if these are just quick stints for these guys to sort of rest, uh, heal up a little bit, and then they'll be back in the major leagues before too long. As Mike mentioned, we are recording on Sunday. It's uh, it's five 30 in the evening. And because the Royals are playing on the West coast, they didn't start their game till 3:10 today, so they're still in the middle of their game or nearing the end. Actually, they're down f- 4-2 to the Mariners. It is the top of the eighth, and uh, this will cap off a series that they've actually already won. They've already won the series against the Mariners. They took the first three games. This is the fourth this week so far. They've gone four and two uh, with one game pending. That brings their overall record to 59 and 70. Uh, again, with one game pending. This week, it's been a lot of timely home runs. A lot of sort of power. Salvador Perez has really hit a couple bombs this this week that have really helped the Royals. And then, uh, as we mentioned, some strong starting pitching at times. So we've seen some good performances. Salvador Perez is having a crazy week. He is eight. It's a year. It is a crazy year. It's really a crazy year. But this week, I feel like has highlighted that craziness. He's had five home runs so far this week, not including anything from today, which he hasn't hit any yet today. Uh, two of those home runs were grand slams this week. Here's the craziest part. That's not even the craziest part. He had five walks this week. <laughs> That's what five. I was thinking. Like five, five walks. Walked five times in a, in a week. 
What? That, that's never happened. <laughs> that that doesn't didn't happen. happen in the Venezuelan youth leagues he was playing in. Like, <laughs> the, the guy has never walked five times in his life. I'd be surprised if you went back and looked over his like baseball reference page, if you found two weeks where he had walked five times in two weeks. It just never happens. And so it's really interesting. Like, what if this is the new Salvador? What if the news version of Salvador Perez takes a walk here and there? What if he, that's like an, an added element of his game? He becomes an entirely different and more potent hitter if he has a little bit more on base ability thrown in there. Well, and what we kind of act like the, the power that he's showing this year is old hat for him, but it really isn't. Like 19 and 20, he, ha- he hit, you know, you can see the power or whatever, 20 in the year before that he played. I can't remember which year he had the uh, knee thing or the Tommy John surgery thing. But uh, whatever year that was, it's relatively recent that he has shown the power that he has. If this is the new Salvador Perez, if this is the mid 30 Salvador Perez, as he hits a double off the top of the wall there in the eighth um, to score Nicky Lopez, I believe uh, he it's just, if that, it's a game changer because then the move to DH becomes so much more easier. If you need to do that, you and I were worried that him catching so many games would really hurt his offensive value later in the season. So far, he's making us look like fools. Like, like I can do anything. I can catch 162 games and hit 40 bombs. Like, I what's he land? <laughs> I can tread water. That's right. Oh, so, this guy is yeah. just crazy. Yeah, he's, he's, he's doing something amazing. And it's really great to see in a year when, you know, the Royals are no longer competitive. Their season is basically over. At least he's going out there and, like, playing his heart out and, and keeping the Royals in games and winning games with some of these. And so it's, it's a lot of fun to watch. Appreciate it while you can, Royals fans. I mean, I hope he's got another five, six good years worth of, you know, part-time catching DH or something at some point in him. But to see this great power surge from him is really remarkable. And you always knew that maybe the power was in there because he hits the ball so hard, but he's doing more to get under the ball lately, more to consistently drive it in the air. And that's what's sort of leading to this surge in, in, in home run power and doubles power that is making him maybe the most valuable offensive catcher in baseball. Oh, by far. I by think another far. Like, some people are talking about, some other people in that conversation, Grandal and some others. And I'm like, no. that is insanity. It, oh, and Salvador Perez didn't actually get a double because it hit so hard off the wall. He got a single. But um, yeah. Still, like, not, still not fast. If he incorporates the stolen base in his game, that will really, <laughs> really be shitting bricks over here. Uh, but no, I just like, there is no, there is no catcher in the game that does what he's doing now. Right. Above average defensive catcher still, at least. Yeah. And, He's going to hit 45 to 50 home runs. It just doesn't happen. And he's going to hit for a decently high average. Like he is. And the other thing that's absolutely crazy to me is he is getting under the ball more, but he'll hit one out to right or right center. Like it's nothing, Mm -hmm. you know? And that is just, that wasn't what he was at the beginning of his career, but it's really good to see that development uh, because it opens you up for what you can do. And to my mind, there hasn't been a catcher with that kind of power in Major League Baseball since, what, Mike Piazza? Yeah, that's that's what I was thinking. Um, that's yeah, really, mind. it's Mike Consistent, Piazza. <laughs> consistently, anyway. I mean, you feel like you feel like Perez, who had good home run numbers last year and in the, in the, in the previous season before he played, you feel like this is going to be the new norm for him. You feel like 30, yeah, 35, 40 home runs is going to be the new norm for him. Yeah, and you can talk about guys like um, Gary Sanchez in New York. You can talk about uh, 
Oh, who was the dude uh, when, when Carlos Santana was catching early yeah. in his career? Yeah, you know, um, with the with Cleveland, but none of those guys were either. Like, it's either like, oh, well, they play an average defensive catcher at best, and they're not going to stick at the position, and you know they're not going to stick at the position. Like, it's that simple. Uh, Salvador Perez is a legit gold, multi gold glove catcher with premium power right now. Yeah, yeah, it's really uh, it's really special to have. Mike, there was another uh, on the pitching side. So your boy again, Carlos Hernandez. Just my guy. I mean, amazing. Sometimes I make predictions that make me look like a fool. Um, Oftentimes this happens. I thought Ben basically the job of our doing here. (laughs) I thought Ben Roethlisberger was going to be a bust in the NFL (laughs) (laughs) when he came out of Miami of Ohio. I remember Um, that. (laughs) But uh, Carlos Hernandez is a guy that I have believed in for multiple years now. At the beginning of the year, I said, if this guy gets a little bit of command, he's going to be good. And right now he looks like perhaps the best starting pitcher that we have in the rotation. And he's still young and he is dominant this week. He showed it in a different fashion. He came out of the bullpen in an extra innings game in a game that uh, Chris Bubich couldn't get deep into. And he pitches five and two thirds innings, no runs, only one hit with six strikeouts. This guy is, and, and now people are like, well, do they want to try and use Jackson Kowar in that kind of relief role? And if you remember right, I said that at the beginning of the year. I said, maybe the best way for Carlos Hernandez to start this year is in the bullpen, get, teach him how to throw strikes, teach him how to get outs in Major League Baseball, and then move him to the starting rotation. There are not a lot of guys that can do that, I don't think. I don't think that's good for everybody, but I think a Carlos Hernandez can, and he has done absolutely everything you could want him to do recently. And if he gets an offseason where he can increase his command even more or become more consistent, you're talking about a just awesome starting pitcher. And last episode, I told you, Carlos Zambrano, if he can be that, boy, the Royals are going to be good. Yeah, and he'll be a testament to their international signing and development program because he's one of those guys. Hernandez was not super expensive. He's not a dra- He's not draft capital. They just signed him and developed him throughout the course of his time in the minors. You always saw sort of the potential there, but you never imagined, oh, this guy's going to end up throwing 100 and have this crazy sick stuff. And so now that they see that, I think you have to give him a chance to stick as a starter for sure. And if he does, it's like it's like found money almost. I mean, it's just the fact that he was able to become that is going to be huge for them if, if he can. Uh, we'll see. Let's hope he stays healthy. Let's hope he takes that next step with his command. But if he does, Wow. That's, and the, that's huge. The other th- big thing to think about with him, Royals fans, uh, weirdos, Royals Weekly weirdos, Royals is weirdos. that is that he uh, he basically had this breakout year in low A or high A, and then played like a day in double A or something, and was like in major <laughs> was like in major league baseball the next week. Yeah. Like yeah. this guy did not have a lot of time in the minors relative to other international signings, and. Boom, he's here learning it in Major League Baseball and and just really showing up. Uh, I love his breaking stuff. I really like the changeup a lot, even though I've never been a big fan of split finger changeups, but uh, he does really, he can do really well with it if it becomes more consistent too. Man, it is next level stuff. Yeah, you mentioned he came in in relief of, of Chris Bubich. Chris Bubich did not have a great week this week. He went uh, four and a third in that start. Um, nine hits given up, four walks, five earned runs, uh, having more trouble again this week. Uh, we've mentioned him in the past. He's going to be one of those guys who 
four or five starter swingman kind of guys, but I still think they need him to be pretty good, especially if they want to compete in 2022. They might be able to cover up for him sort of his shortcomings in 2023, 2024 and beyond as guys like um, John Heasley and Austin Cox and maybe Jonathan Bolin come back uh, or even Asa Lacey, if he really gets up, gets, gets it going. But Next year, they're going to need him as an arm. Either he's a four or five starter or maybe a sixth guy for them, a swing man for them or something. They're going to need him to be better than what he's been in the last couple of weeks. Um, let's hope he can sort of find that command, uh, become more of a 55-grade command kind of pitcher, and uh, then maybe he'll be okay. He'll be a real contributor to, to some success in 2022, hopefully. Yeah, it's, it, it is what it's always boiled down to for us. Can he be consistent with his command? If he can't, he's he's almost value less. Um, if he can, he is what his ceiling is. It's just his floor it, when your stuff isn't that good is pretty low. <laughs> you know, yeah. you can be you can be a dominant AAA pitcher forever. Uh, I guess would be his floor because he's got such a good changeup. But um, he's got to he's got to get that command under control if he wants to really contribute on a major league roster. Uh, the guy that I'm going to talk about for weak performances this week is a guy who's in Hunter Dozier that has had weaker performances and it looked like he was really turning it around and, and kind of has, if you still consider the the month as a whole, the month of August as a whole, it has been a positive for Hunter Dozier, but this week at four for 26 with eight strikeouts and no walks, that's, that's going to be a negative for, for Hunter Dozier. Um, unfortunately, he probably just needs a, he's, he's probably begging for the end of this season more than anybody else. Yeah. Uh, end this season, go get some work in and then come back refresh with a fresh start next year for Hunter Dozier. If he isn't, if he can't perform when this team is ready to win, you're going to have a tough decision to make Royals because there's other guys that may be ready to take the, the spots that he plays at third base and right field or even left field. If by that point he's playing left, um, sad to see one hundred Dozier to do better. Yeah. And maybe there's a chance that he does that, you know, that restart really helps him next year, but you're right. They can't, let him be a black hole in the lineup when you have a chance with a young starting rotation with Bobby Witt Jr., Nick Prado, and MJ Melendez in the lineup. That's the opening of your window. Don't let Hunter Dozier be Close it. drag. He's going to be closing that, that window. Uh, drags <laughs> that lineup so far down that it can't compete. You know, like um, he, he can't, they can't let him do that no matter what his contract is, no matter what he's done in the past for 2019 or whatever. You can't do it because, you know, it's, it's just if your window's opening, that's it. No more. Let's wait and see on a guy. It's time to start winning. That means if Dozier can't, can't get it done, get him out. And somebody else has to get in there who can. Yeah. And and so we'll yeah. see on that, but yeah. So here's the, the, the picture I have in my mind. It's Bobby Witt Jr. Prado and Melendez opening a window together. And then Hunter Dozier taking the $26 million bag of money he has and dropping it on the window and closing it and going like, Oh, it's chilly in here. Like, oh my God, <laughs> like, we can't afford to pay you that much and have you hit 200 for a year. Right. Uh, it's, it's, it's not super big money for him. I mean, because a lot of it was just buying out arbitration years and stuff, but yeah, but it's, it's, it's less than the, than the Royals want to just give away, which is what they're going to be doing <laughs> if he doesn't start hitting again. Like it's just going to be a, a pure charity for Hunter Dozier. Um, so I, I think that a reset might be good for him, but we'll see uh, come 2022. The theme I'm taking away for this week, as we sort of look back over the week and say, how are, do how are we doing? Uh, this is the end of August. We're about to move into September. And all I can think is, man, this looks familiar. 
right? Because the Royals always do this. They do this thing where they get way out of contention. And then right at the end of the year, they turn it on. They start winning games. They start looking competitive. And then you ask yourself, where was this earlier in the year? And boy, they're really hurting themselves in terms of draft picks, like where they're going to end up in the draft. And then also like, oh, maybe I'm a little more hopeful for next year. So I'm, I'm actually ready to go through a September where I gain a little hope about the Royals because they're playing better. And yeah, it'll hurt them draft pick wise, but this is what they always do. So, um, and you know, we'll, they'll still get a fairly decent one once they go, you know, 70 and 90 or 70 and 92 or whatever. Um, so yeah, it, it, this just looks really familiar. There's a real rhythm to the season. And it looks like the Royals are kind of hitting every beat almost. You know? Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that provides me hope in that situation is if the hope comes from those guys, we want to perform well, that young starting pitching doing it, then, Hey, I'm great with that. If not, if it comes from like Carlos Santana having a hot streak or Andrew Benintendi doing really well, or, you know, things like Michael A. Taylor, like just for some reason going off, I'm going to be like, meh, well, whatever. But uh, my, my kind of theme for the weekend as we move forward into September is reflection. Now is the time as a staff, you know, as a, a front office to start taking a look at, those guys that I just mentioned, the Carlos Santana, Michael A. Taylor, Andrew Benintendi, even the Hunter Dozers and the Rivera's and go, hey, are these pieces that we're going to need moving forward? You know, what do we do? Because though we got rid of Gerard Dyson and that freed up a 40-man spot, we're still going to have a little bit of a crunch on the 40-man. We got guys just knocking on the door that are ready to be up here. Dylan Coleman is ready to be in Major League Baseball. You know, there's nothing for him to do. Bobby Witt Jr., there's nothing for him to do, continue to do. Nick Prado, really anything for him to do either, or Melendez. So, and, and, and then you got to talk about like, Kyle Isbell's killing it too. So, what, like, you got to start making some tough decisions, you know? And that's what September is for. That's what this September is for. Like, are these pieces that we're moving forward with, or are we going to say we can get everything we're going to get from Carlos Santana from Nick Prado? Starting day one, we're going to get everything we can you know, from Kyle Isbell that we can get from Andrew Benintendi or for Michael A. Taylor, whatever, and start saying it's time to go with those guys and not Michael A. Taylor, who isn't even going to be here, possibly. So yeah, these temporary fixes, these stopgap yeah. measures. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really true. If you like what you're hearing, please make sure to subscribe, rate and review us on whatever platform you use. Subscribing, rating, and reviewing helps people find the show and helps us build a larger community. If you leave us a five-star rating and good review, we'll make sure to give you a shout-out and read a snippet of your review on the next show. Also, follow us on Twitter and Facebook, at Royals Weekly. We tweet during many games, so you can get all this fresh insight for free by simply following us. If any major pattern has emerged for the Royals this year, it's that this team rises and falls on the back of its starting pitching. When the team was atrocious through May, June, and July, the rotation was primarily to blame. Virtually every starter was struggling or hurt, and people looked at the pitching coach, Cal Eldred, as a vessel for their anger and frustration. Many times, even on this podcast, we've called for the firing of Cal Eldred. But now, with the emergence of Daniel Lynch and Carlos Hernandez, the the rotation has stabilized a bit, and it looks like there's a foundation to build on. Mike, did we get this all wrong? Is Cal Eldred actually a secret genius? Well, I don't think that Cal Eldred is a secret genius. Okay, um, maybe it's I a think, real big secret. Maybe it's well, like it, a deep, deep <laughs> such CIA a deep secret kind of secret. It's like 
such a secret. Yeah, we don't even want to know. You got to crawl up the ass of Donald Rumsfeld to figure it out. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, here's the thing: if we're gonna say, "Hey, Carlo or Carlos Janet is turned around, Daniel Lynch is turned around," praise Cal Eldred. You can't just forget about the first half of the season. You know, you can't just write that off and say, if he's going to get credit for this, he's got to get blamed for that. That's just how it works. You know, um, you can't say that his, the progress that we've seen from guys like Brady Singer, though he's pitched really well today, he's throwing more changeups today. He's had command today. It's a great, and even in the last couple starts, he started to throw that changeup more after that injured list stint. But the question being, did it take Cal Eldred that long to realize he needed to throw a changeup? Because literally every other person I know that really follows the Royals was saying this at the end of last year, at least, if not earlier, that he needs to throw a changeup. You've been a very big proponent of that, right? And so basically, I could be a major league pitching coach. And so that's my point. Like, if he didn't know that, if Cal Eldred didn't know that Brady Singer needed a third pitch coming into this year, that's a fireable offense, in my opinion, right there. Like, <laughs> that's it. There's a point. Because yeah. guys are going to progress. It doesn't, it, you know, Daniel Lynch knew he had to be more consistent, knew he had to be able to fight through um, bad, you know, a guy getting a hit or a, a run scoring. He, he knows that. Any any pitching coach can tell him that. Any pitching coach can get a Carlos Hernandez and realize he's got phenomenal stuff and be able to help him out. It's can you take a guy like Brady Singer, who has relied on two pitches his entire life and career, and show him and convince him and tell him and get him to do the things he has to do to be successful in Major League Baseball? Because it took way too long, in my opinion, Yeah, for, it did. for that to happen. And you're right. If, if, if Eldred deserves any credit at all for the emergence of Hernandez and Lynch and the sort of stabilization of the rotation, then he deserves the blame for how bad it, they were for half the season, if not more, right? 60% of the season gone. The season is gone. It is a lost season because of the way the rotation pitched in the first 60% of it. And so he deserves a significant amount of the blame for that. And it's not just Singer. It's also Keller, if you remember how bad that he was for a long time. Like, why did that last so long? If you remember, like, the rest of the rotation too, like struggling to throw strikes, walking so many people like that is on Cal Eldred. And, and so while I'm willing to give him some credit for the advancement of Lynch and Hernandez, that means that I'm also very willing to give him credit for how Keller played in the first half. You know, the fact that Singer has struggled the whole time, like look, look at his numbers. Brady Singer has regressed this season. He is worse than he was last year. Now, Maybe he's throwing some more changeups now and that's going to help him out. And that's great. Maybe it was one step forward to, or one step back to take two steps forward. I don't know, but it's not, it hasn't been good this year. That's for sure. And do we think that there's not any other pitching coach out there who could come in and help these guys take a step forward instead of sort of getting them back to par for them, basically, you know, like it's like we've spent 60% of the season with everybody taking a step back and now he's gotten them back to one step forward, back to where they were previously. And where everybody's like, well, maybe Cal Eldred deserves an apology. He does not. He does not. He still probably deserves to not be the pitching coach next year. I, the Royals probably won't do that, but I think that that's the case still. Yeah. It's um, like, it's like a politician that comes in and like wrecks everything. 
and then fixes it and people are like hey he's doing a great job no no he ruined everything everything come on guys Uh, yeah so yeah that's the that's that's kind of it's very frustrating that, that people would look at that and go, yeah, oh, well, he's doing such a great job. Um, Do we praise the firefighter who was also the arsonist? That seems crazy <laughs> to me. That's crazy to me. Exactly. And you also uh, look at somebody like Bubich. Like, he hasn't taken a step forward he is not at all. A step um, forward, that's for sure. So, yeah, it, it's, it's rough to see that sort of stuff. And, you know, have you think about who's been the best relievers for the Royals this year. Are those guys that Cal Eldred was able to work with and advance in any way? Or is it, okay, these are guys maybe we got from another organization, Scott Barlow. It's uh, a guy in Kyle Zimmer who just didn't work out as a starter. So you're like, okay, well, we can take him and hopefully get something out of him. So I, I don't I don't see it. You know, Jake Brents was a guy that we signed out of nowhere, you know, so – I, I don't know the, where I don't see the credit just in a, Oh, Daniel Lynch looks better. Carlos Hernandez looks better. I don't see that. Yeah. Um, the rotation, it does look better as a whole, a little bit better as a whole, a little more stable. So the question then I ask is what's the next step? What do the Royals need to do with or see from the rotation moving forward to have confidence that they can compete in 2022 or 2023? Uh, I think you have got to see more consistency from singer from Bubich and from Keller. Okay. Um, it, Daniel Lynch and Carlos Hernandez, at least at this point, look to be have figured something out consistency wise, whether you're Lynch and it's not uh, rely, you know, it's relying on your stuff in the zone to get outs and that giving up a run isn't the end of the, the outing. Um, or it's Hernandez, you know, your, your stuff is good enough. Just throw it in the zone and it's going to get people out. And maybe you don't have to throw a hundred miles per hour, every single pitch, things like that. But Singer, Bubich, and Keller are different. You know, they're different than that. Singer has to be able to throw that change up. And he, the confidence level has seemed to be so low that it was just going to be a detriment. If he was not commanding fastball or slider, he was done. It was, it was, a, yeah. it was a two-inning thing. Uh, Bubich is similar. Like, if he's not commanding... A good note on Singer, he did throw 11 change-ups in his outing today. And so yes. we want to throw that in there as like a, that's a good thing. He pitched well. The overall numbers for him were, were good today. I think he gave up one run in six innings, uh, one, yeah, one earned run, one earned two run, runs yeah. total. One of them was unearned. Um, but 11 change-ups for him is good in a six-inning outing. And that's phenomenal. And, and I looked at some of the info on those. They weren't great change-ups. They weren't located really, really well, a lot of them. But that that doesn't matter. Nobody was asking him to throw a... James Shield, Chris Bubich change it up right out of the gate. Just throw the damn thing. Like, yeah. and that's what he should have been doing when he was in minor league baseball. <laughs> he should have been throwing shitty chains up in minor league baseball. <laughs> a lot of them, a lot of shitty change ups in minor league baseball. But anyway, I digress on the, the singer thing, but Bubich and Keller, we've seen a lot of inconsistency from Keller this year. We've seen a lot of inconsistency from Bubich. If Stinger does start throwing the change up and is more consistent because of it, then you just have those other two guys be consistent with them. And I think we have a chance to have success next year with that starting staff. Yeah. I think another added dimension to that is have to see what we have with Jackson Kowar. He, if, if Kowar can be successful the way that Lynch has been up to this point, then that's just another rotation spot. You don't have to fill moving forwards. And then if he can't be, then maybe you do need to add another piece because in my mind, Mike Miner is not 
a rotation piece that you can count on even next year, uh, but certainly not beyond that. And then, so maybe he goes into the bullpen, fills some sort of long relief role or spot uh, reliever, some, some sick fifth, sixth man out of the bullpen kind of a guy. But you have to know whether or not Coar can be a viable starter in the major leagues. I really think he can. I don't know if he solved all of his problems that he's had down in AAA yet, but to me, the stuff is too good for him not to eventually find it and, and be something that the Royals can really utilize moving forward. But they got to know. They got to see what they have in him. I hope he gets some major league starts or at least some major league relief time in the, September. And I hope that he, at the very least, makes the team as like sort of a long relief swing man uh, it, coming out of 2022. Yeah, and there was a story out today, not a story, uh, just a tweet that was put out today, that either, I think it was Dayton Moore, said that we can expect to see one pitcher and one position player called up in September. I would like for that to be Jackson Kowar, and I would like for it to be out of the bullpen, because I think he's got that ability to go, hey, Bubich had a fuck up again, or Keller you know, walked three guys in in the first, put him in there for three or four innings and see what happens. Yeah. bring him in for one inning to start and see if he can get out guys for an inning and build it up to two and three inning stints. I think that's great. You know, he can, you know, the arm can go long enough. He's been starting all year. Um, I think he's got the kind of stuff that if you tell him to go get it in one inning stints or two inning stints, that will help him as he transitions to the starting uh, rotation. And then if he can do that in September, then you try him out for the rotation come spring training next year, you might have a five-man rotation of all guys that were either drafted in that, uh, was it a 2018 draft or Brad Keller, <laughs> you know, or, or you Brad got, Keller. you know, so or her, that, well, Hernandez. Oh yeah. Hernandez. But all like Hernandez came up exactly at that same time as that 2018 draft. So it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. the same age. Like, you know, it, You'd be set at and, in your and starting rotation. Keller is only a little bit older than those guys. He was, yeah, and he's a rule five guy. He, yeah, he? he was real young when they took him in the rule five, and so uh, yeah, those guys are all roughly the same age, mid twenties, uh, all ready to maybe break out and be a really strong rotation if they sort of gain more consistency. Um, next season is a pretty big unknown, so we can say who we want in the rotation in twenty twenty two. But let's say if we let's say we see a rotation of Keller Singer. Lynch, Hernandez, and then someone else. Maybe it's a Coar. Maybe it's somebody they get. I don't know. But let's see. We see that. Do you think that that rotation has what it takes to compete next year? Next year, 2022. 2022. I, I think that if, and this is a big if because we haven't seen any of them really do this, but I think if they stay healthy, they can. Okay. Now we've seen Singer go on the IL some this year. Uh, we've seen Keller just be super ineffective at times, but I think if they're if those four guys stay healthy, I think they can be consistent enough to be to to compete if we score you know can score any runs with them. Um, and then I, I, that spot that you didn't mention is the kind of the crazy one to me. Like, would it be better to have a Mike Miner there because you know what you're getting? Would it be better to put a Chris Bubich there because you think he has a little more potential, or would it be better to go with a Jackson Kowar if he proves himself towards the end of this year that he can do it. It, it. it really is kind of a wild card at that last spot. But I think as long as they stay healthy, I think they can do that. Now, one thing to also think about would be 
if you think those are your four guys, like we know these guys have the talent, we know they can be consistent enough. Is it worth going out and getting a, a veteran like a James Shields? Now, I'm not talking about like, I mean, like like we did with James Shields back in the day. Don't go get James Shields because he's probably in the old folks home <laughs> at this point. But, James uh, Shields is now a, pretty much an amateur professional golfer. That's yeah, all so, he's doing these days. So, but like, yeah. is that something that you think about doing, going out and getting a veteran who, because remember what Shields was when we got him was a guy you could rely on to pitch 200 innings every year and to be in top 10 in strikeouts for the league. And, you know, you knew exactly what you were going to get. They were going to be, he wasn't going to be a Cy Young candidate likely, but he was a very solid guy. Do you go out there and you try and find a guy like that to stabilize, to be like, Hey, this is our stabilizing force. We know what we're going to get from him. If these other guys play to their potential, we're going to be exceptional. I think it might be worth that because I don't know that I believe in Chris Bubich. Uh, I definitely don't believe in Mike Miner. Uh, and then I just don't know what we're going to get from Kowar at this point yet. So Yeah, I think if they want to try and compete in 2022, they have to do something like that. I think, I don't know that that's the move that I would make because it would cost a lot of prospect capital to get somebody like that. Mm-hmm. But it's an option for them if they think they want to compete in 2022. We'll see on that front. Um but I think I think that rotation, as it's sort of laid out there, Keller, Singer, Lynch, Hernandez, is not quite there, but it's close, right? It's close. And if if you ask me, like, well, what should you do with that fifth spot? Young and young potential, I will always take over old, whatever consistency. I'm going to put consistency in quotes. Old crustiness, something like Mike <laughs> Miner. That's not. That's just consistently bad. And so, yeah, give me young potential. Let them learn. That sort of thing. I'd rather, much rather they do something like that. And then say like, well, maybe if, if they come out and they're hot and they do great, yeah, then maybe we're competing in 2022. If not, 2023 is our real opening of our window, right? And so I'm much more of a fan of giving that spot to somebody like a Jackson Kowar than I am of even going out and trading for a veteran piece or giving it to someone like Mike Miner, who's just going to come out and give you, yes, what you know, but that's going to be like a five earned run average and and really not helping you win every fifth day that much. A couple of division foes await the Royals this week. We're moving into the last month of the season when the Royals typically shine enough to give fans some false hope and drop a few rungs down the draft ladder. Mike, tell us a little bit about the Cleveland Guardians. Is it the Guardians yet, or are they still rocking the Indians name? I don't know. I don't know uh, either. <laughs> who the Royals will probably sweep. Mike, let's hear what um, Well, they have a better record than the Royals. The Guardians are 63 and 64. They're in second in the uh, AL Central by a long way. All right. Yeah. So, like, they are still 10 games back of the White Sox and they're in second place. Uh, the only probable that we have for this is Zach Plezak, uh for this series, 26 year old right hander out of Ball State. His ERA is not great in 4.78. Uh, but his whip isn't ter- oh, terrible at 1.18. He's I, I like him. I think he's a pretty solid, good pitcher. I, I honestly do. I think he's a good pitcher. Uh, but he hasn't had the numbers this year uh, that would uh, be where you would expect a, an Indian starting rotation to be. Uh, they still have the the big bats in Jose Ramirez and Fran Mil Reyes. But other than that, their offense is still pretty bad. Yeah, um, and, so, and, yeah, go ahead. And really, their starting pitching, which they would have expected to be better, has not been good enough 
to allow them to compete this year. They they've had injuries. They've they've been less effective than they thought they would be, uh, and that's what's killing them. They knew their offense wouldn't be great, but they thought their pitching might be able to carry them, and it just hasn't done enough to really put them in the conversation at the top of the AL Central. Yeah, and the, the guy that's still, if you ask me, Jose Ramirez, Fran Reyes. Fran Reyes is still the guy that kind of scares me the most of those two. Ramirez is extremely consistent, hits well, but pitch around them for for god's sake just pitch around yeah, both of them pitch around both of them because you know, every <laughs> other guy you're going to face is not going to be much and so yeah. expect a few low scoring games in that one um because who knows maybe they'll come maybe the cleveland the royals offense can always be inconsistent and get blanked a few times that's not a huge deal for them um after the after the cleveland guardians the white Sox. uh next up for the royals they're the al central leading white Sox. They're 75 and 56 right now, way ahead in the AL Central. They're basically going to spend September preparing to play in the playoffs. Uh, we already know so much about the rights at White Sox. We don't have any problems for this series. It's too far away. But we know this team inside and out. They're loaded with good young talent. Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Johan Moncana. They have also some veteran talent, Tim Anderson and Tim Anderson. Jose Abreu. And they're just, they're really, really good. Good lineup up and down. Good rotation. Lucas Giolito, Carlos Rodon, Dylan Cease, Dallas Keuchel. It's just a talented, talented team that for some reason the Royals have really done well against this year. Like they've they've played pretty well against the White Sox. The White Sox can struggle a bit in the bullpen and defensively. Uh, and so maybe that's a way that the Royals can sort of take advantage of some mistakes that the White Sox might make. But they're a really talented team, and we'll. It, it's it, but it's always fun to see the Royals play those kinds of teams and see what they can do against them. So I'm looking forward to that White Sox series. I think it'll be a lot of fun to see them tangle with a with a team that is playoff bound and see. Hey, what's Daniel Lynch? What's Carlos Hernandez? What are they going to look like against the best that the AL Central has to offer? And so that that should be a fun series for the Royals uh, at the end of next at the end of this week. Yeah, and the the White Sox do struggle a little bit in the bullpen. I don't love their closer. I can't remember his name right now. Oh, Lee um, Hendricks. Yeah, I don't love him personally. Uh, but they got a lot of dudes that throw really hard out of that yeah. bullpen. Uh, and Kopech is is a legit like rising, going to be superstar in in bullpen. So, uh, yeah, it it's get the bullpen. I feel like the bullpen has what it takes to be a good bullpen. They just haven't been very good. We'll end this week like we end every week with our Just A Bit Outside segment, where we discuss something that is interesting us outside the world of baseball this week. For those of you who skip all the baseball content, welcome to the show. Uh, (laughs) We're going to talk a little bit about two things that have nothing to do with baseball, but one does have to do with sports, I think. Mike, what's your Just A Bit Outside for this week? It does have to do with sports, and it's Friday Night Lights. No, not the book. No, not the movie that once made me cry. No, not the television series that has some seriously loyal fans. Um, I mean, every, everybody who watches that show has told me to watch that show at least 60 times. Like, yeah, they are like all over me. Like you like sports, right? Oh, you need to watch Friday Night Lights. Uh, <laughs> you're going to love the, you're going to love the love stories. Like what? I like, I like sports. Drama of Friday Night Lights. Oh yeah. Why would I love that? Uh, uh, you know, yeah. there are actual sports on TV, right? <laughs> yeah. And that's what I'm talking about is actual sports. High school football started up again this week in, in Missouri. And, uh, you know, I, I coach high school football. We went to Blue Springs South this week and got a win. Um, but it was good to see all the, uh, you know, you get to go on, you check the scores to see what teams are playing who and all that stuff. Uh, it was good to be out there again. And, and it felt really normal if, you know, cause there were no limits on people who could be in the stadium. It was great. It was outside, you know, it was just a fun, fun time to get back in into that when last year it was not like that. 
you know, we played our season last year. They were always like, Hey, next week, is it going to happen? I don't really know. Are we going to have a COVID outbreak? Is the team across from us going to have a COVID outbreak? Who knows? But this year it seemed a little bit more normal. And then you go and play the game last year and it'd be like, Hey, everybody gets a ticket, one ticket for somebody to get in. So the stands were always completely empty. And so it was nice to, to get back to that environment and good to get a win. So that was good. Yeah. Let's hope everybody comes out of those situations healthy. Let's hope there's no COVID mm-hmm. hotspots out of these uh, high school football games, but it is nice to feel that normalcy of, uh, of, a, of a time when people can sort of do these community things where they get together and be joyous together. Great that they're outside. Um, I think that's where we need to have most of our community things for the foreseeable future. Um, but yeah, love to see the Friday night lights, love to see the, uh, college or the high school um, football atmosphere. I'm excited for the college football atmosphere too. You and I are going to go watch some college football next weekend. Um, and so, yeah, really excited for that. Great to see it. Uh, my just about outside is a way more trivial and weird. Um, and so I'm reading this book on the history of Jerusalem and I keep coming across all these really awesome nicknames that people had back in the day, including one uh, dude called Judah, the hammer. And I was like, that's a fun nickname. Why don't they call me the hammer? Uh, and so, they call Hank Aaron the hammer. You can't be the hammer. He's the hammer. I can't be the hammer. Uh, if, if I'm in a conversation with Hank Aaron, I can't be the hammer. Um, so I love to give people nicknames. That's like a thing that I like to do. Same here. And so does George. Like you and George W. Bush have that in common, know, along with a lot of other things. We have so many things in common. <laughs> me and George W. Bush are basically the same person. And so we love to paint. We love to paint and start wars. Uh, and so, <laughs> painting and starting unwinnable wars. That's our thing. Um, and so, but we, we both do love to give nicknames. And so I just want to have, like mention that I, I find it fun and funny that all these awesome nicknames have existed in the world. Baseball is a great place for nicknames. But I'm a, I, if I ever meet you, there's a good 70% chance I'm going to try and give you a nickname. And I give great ones, too. They catch on. They okay, last. Best so. nickname you've ever given. Uh, that's a really tough one. Remember in college when we had, we, there was this person we had a history class with her name was Kate Lydon. Oh yeah. We gave her the, killer. We gave her the nickname, the killer, the killer Kate Lydon. <laughs> she's I like, like a, a lot. She's a big wig in, in Maryville now. She's a, like know, the assistant principal or she's been one like awards and stuff. I really uh, like that one. I like that one a lot. My friend bones, I gave her that nickname. She has a great nickname for her. Uh, her name was Kate as well, honestly. Um, but, or Katie. Uh, yeah. I just like giving people, most of the time they're ironic nicknames. Kate Lydon is, is not a killer in any, in any <laughs> just a wonderful person uh, and, and phones. Uh, she is, she's not a, an intimidating person at all. Uh, and so, yeah, uh, I just like giving uh, weird, random nicknames to people. Okay. So try coaching. You can, you can give them to every player oh, you have last oh, year. Last year I had players Sandman. Okay. And uh, Stony. Like, so I mean, there, there's, you know, there's just like, there, there's just so many good ones out there to be had Uh baseball, right for the oil can. Uh, what's uh, the, no, the best one, uh, the mad Hungarian, uh, <laughs> you know, great, great what was the, yeah. My, just, my favorite nick, sports nickname of all time though, has got to be the Nigerian nightmare. Christian, Akoye. Christian, Akoye. yeah, that is, a, that is an all time nickname. The Nigerian is. nightmare is perfect. That's great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you want to have some fun, give each other some nicknames. But what you really want to do to have fun is keep listening to Royals Weekly, people. That's where it's at. We're going to give each other nicknames. It's going to be great. All right. Here's what you're going to do. Come back for Royals Weekly next week. We'll all have nicknames. Until then, be good to each other. And Mike? Go Royals. Go Royals. Go Royals.